Hi, folks. I wanted to jump in before the theme for a little update. I can't say this enough, but I am so grateful for the welcoming response my podcast has received. In the fall of 2021, my only thought was really just to get this thing out there and to talk to some amazing and diverse people about things happening in biking. But for 2022, I want to set a little more intention and I want to start putting things like underlying themes into my pod, a theme other than community, of course, which will hopefully always be there. This is a transition to be sure, but I'll be integrating this into the pod more and more over the next six months. I'm also looking to produce a little more content as I teased before, and I'm going to produce a series called Something like the big question, I'm not 100% on the title yet, but the idea is that it would deep dive into a topic that maybe you just want to know a little bit more about. So my ask to you is let me know if you have any questions or anything that you're dying to, to dive deeper into. Maybe you just need support on picking the right bike, or it's about how to get started with training. I want to hear from you. So please reach out to me on Instagram at Randonista or go to my website about page at randonista.com and click on the contact me link. I look forward to hearing from you audience. And now the show. Welcome back, folks, to the Randonista podcast. Apologies in advance, because this is going to be an unusually long intro, and there's a lot of me talking. But as I said at the start, I want to bring more intention to my podcast, and one way that I can do that is by being a little more transparent and obvious about what I want you to take away from listening. It occurred to me recently that I never intro the show with what the show is about or who I am talking to you, so... To start off, I am your host, Laura Jillian, or LJ, as you'll hear some of my friends calling me. And I am uh, very involved in the Boston biking community, a certified instructor, and all around just huge bike enthusiast. So I have a lot of knowledge from mechanics, teaching, uh, all of that good stuff that I want to bring forward, but I also just know a lot of people who know great things about biking that I bring in to talk to me. And my goal with this show is to bring humanity and human stories back to the conversations around bicycles. And I'll do that by having four segments. The first one is bike news, where we'll talk about how the news around infrastructure, biking, all of those things can affect our daily lives. Friends on bikes eating dessert, where I have a lighthearted conversation with snacks, of course, Uh, talking to riders. Sometimes they're brand new. Sometimes, you know, they've been doing this a while, but really just to have them share some of their experiences. I do a deeper dive or a deeper look, as I'm going to call it from now on, where I have a longer conversation with someone doing amazing work in the bike community to try and show off their whole human selves, not just their bike side, as a lot of people think of them. And then finally, I usually have some sort of game. This is the improviser in me wanting to just have some 
silly, lighthearted fun with no real stakes. And let's be honest, everybody's a winner at the end. I'm only going to explain the different segments fully a few times over the next couple of episodes. And then I trust that you are a very smart and brilliant audience and that I don't need to belabor the point further. Um, But I I did want to take some time to explain to you why I chose these segments because uh, it does help round out why I I, I picked the structure that I did. So it was very intentional and I, I did have reasons for the stories that I wanted to tell. So there you go. For today's show, it's gonna be a good one, people. For the news today, we'll talk about some more infrastructure changes and the announcement of a new Zwift training bike. I'm a huge fan of Zwift. I, I want to do a deeper segment into it soon. Um, but I brought in my friend and co-conspirator Greg Hum to be my initial host. And then for friends on bikes eating dessert, it's January. So I thought it'd be a good time to take a deeper look at winter biking and the person I thought would be great to do that is my friend Brian McKenzie who came and talked to me and I have to say after our conversation we talked for a good long time there's a lot to say about winter biking so I I decided to break this conversation into two segments and you'll hear today you'll hear about uh, what to wear and why winter biking is fun and then next episode you'll hear about how to ride in winter and winter bike maintenance because winter is going to continue all the way through March and April. So there's still plenty to understand there. Um, Our deeper look today, I sat down with Liz Rock from Trailblazers. We recorded this conversation weeks ago, so I'm so excited to bring this to the world. Liz is a force to be reckoned with and such an inspiration. And then finally, we'll wrap everything up with a little game about how many people actually do ride their bike in Boston in winter. Whew, okay, that was a lot, but I think it gives you a better setup for this episode. So now, Bike News. My co-host this week is someone who I do lots of organizing with, um, which I think I've said more than once on this podcast now, uh, but is a good friend of mine who's been in the Boston biking community for a very long time since, you know, their start at BU and creating bike organizations there. So uh, thank you, Greg Hum, for being on the show with me today and co-hosting. Yeah. Hey, Laura. Everybody. Uh, Greg is a fellow Boston Bike Party community organizer, uh, Coalition for Black Lives organizer, um, and all around, sorry, Watson had to jump off of my lap, everybody, uh, all around bike organizer, midnight marathon ride. Um, If you've seen a big ride in Boston, Greg was probably somewhere behind it. I just love getting people together for big, fun bike rides. Yeah. And we don't get to do it enough, sadly, at the moment, especially with It'll winter come back. and doubly with coronavirus. It's true. <laughs> now I just do sad solo bike rides. I know. Sometimes I know. they're happy, but. <laughs> I mean, Watson really helps. I take that back. I always have a buddy, yeah. but he, uh, he came on a little winter ride with me today or not today, excuse me, today is freezing out. Um, and by freezing, I mean, sub, uh, sing, single digits. 
was single digits. Yeah. Um, but yesterday we went out for a little bike ride together and it was super cute and wintry and nice. So sometimes it can be fun. Um, but we're here to talk about the news. So there admittedly hasn't been a ton of infrastructure news. I mean, we just came out of a big holiday season. Um, we had uh, snow, we had some cold weather finally. Uh, and I say finally because climate change, not because I actually want to be freezing. Um, but there were a couple of things that I wanted to just make sure got said in our news segment. And then I think Greg had some updates that he wanted to share. So two quick updates. One, if you are riding on the Charles River and you head towards Watertown and there's these um, dirt paths that you can ride on, those are still icy and potentially muddy depending on how warm or cold it is that day. The equipment is not really designed to get all the snow and ice off of dirt paths. And with all the tree coverage, I don't think it gets enough sunlight to really melt it as much as you would want it to. So just be really careful if you're riding in that direction. Most of the paths do get cleared pretty quickly, um, but that one stays pretty snowy. So I, I saw someone post about that. I wanted to make sure that gets said. And the other thing that came up was the fact that the Mass Ave bridge uh protected lane that they put up and we've talked about a whole bunch on this podcast was temporarily closed down during snow so something boo. to keep a look at. yes yes boo it is not cool that the time that you need it most is when the infrastructure goes away uh, i know we have mit robots little cat bobcat things that can fit through bike lanes, but clearly weren't uh, prepared to go through cones. So as that infrastructure becomes hopefully real in the future, that will be less of a problem. But yes, that's something that I just wanted to make sure that all the listeners out there kind of keep an eye on as we're in this winter season. Your infrastructure might not be where it was a week or two before if there's been snow recently. So just be cautious when you're riding out there that um, your lane might look different. And those are mine. Uh, Greg, what do you got? Oh man, updates on my side. So I live near Tufts University and there is a big old rotary in Powderhouse Square not the and first time it's been mentioned. This is a big rotary. Yeah, this is a big rotary. It's like where five um, five streets come together into a big circular paved road with like a giant statue island in the middle. Can you name all five roads? Oh, man. <laughs> I, let's see. College Avenue mm -hmm. that goes straight to Davis Square. There's Broadway. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what the other one is. I just was testing Harvard, you. I think it's Harvard, Harvard, Harvard Ave, Street, Harvard Ave, Harvard Street, and three other streets that we love <laughs> just as equally as we love the, the first two streets. I promise we don't play favorites here <laughs> on, on Rotary Lane. <laughs> but um, I'm personally, I don't know about all of you, but every time I approach a big rotary, I am kind of terrified when I'm on my bike and uh, 
usually it's because there are cars whizzing in and out. The, the lane's too wide. I'm not sure if there's one lane or five lanes. There's no markings. In this particular rotary, there were, they at some point in history realized they were, it was a death spiral, and they added 15 to 1,000 traffic lights to remedy the problem and make it less deadly. <laughs> but in the process, um, uh, increased aggravation by 1,500% for, for drivers, pedestrians, mm -hmm. and bikers. Um, so this past September, they, they did something about it. Um, they installed these um, bollards, these like these like little, they look like, oh man, I don't, like lollipop stick barriers to make the rotary smaller into more like a roundabout. And then they installed separated bike lanes and they made it one lane for cars to go around in a circle. So everything slows down and it's way safer for bikers, way safer for pedestrians. Um, and this is just phase one of uh, some final design that I don't know. But anyway, the point is it, it feels a lot better and safer to bike through it. Uh, and I can't tell you how many conversations and how many blood vessels I burst in my head <laughs> talking and complaining, talking to my friends and complaining about how horrible uh, the Powderhouse Square Rotary in Somerville is. And I'm really happy they finally did something about it. Um, yeah, it's still, uh, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. But uh, uh, that's, that's my update is that Powderhouse Square is a lot safer. It's a little bit of a maze to get through on your bike. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take a little bit of a maze and not going to die over, I feel like I'm going to die with 15,000 traffic lights. Yeah, I, I wish I remember what the article was, but I definitely saw something today about how traffic, dangerous driving has gone up like 200% in the last two years. And there was some crazy, like over 400 deaths due to vehicles in the last year or something like that. I'd, I'll have to look up the article. I don't want to spread a bunch of disinformation, but it definitely, uh, it definitely, you know, exacerbates those types of situations when you design streets that encourage people to go flying through them. Yeah. We're going to call, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to call it road rage circle. That's <laughs> what we're going to call it. And then yeah. once, once you're not, once you, once, and then we're going to call it, uh, we're going to make it better by adding a million traffic lights and that'll surely improve the road rage. And people definitely won't try to run all of the reds in order to save themselves a minuscule amount of time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, we're in a, we're in a weird time in this world. In case you haven't heard anyone out there, we're in a global, um, uh, bicycle infrastructure revolution, just in case you haven't heard. <laughs> yeah, the other, haven't heard. the other thing that your, uh, I was going to say your story, your update was making me think about was the great thing about snow. And when it does snow is it very clearly shows you where traffic patterns are. And all of a sudden this gigantic intersection that takes up a lot of space, you realize could be a lot like the 
space for the actual cars could be a lot smaller and you could expand out those sidewalks and do all of these things because the cars take very specific paths and rarely divert from them. Um, and so totally, people don't always act on that, but yeah, it's fascinating so, to see. Totally. So snow reveals all the wasted space that we mm -hmm. devote to cars, which don't use as much space as we think they do. Exactly. You could also think of it as like, um, you know, gases. If you put a gas in something, it will expand, fill the volume of the space. So if you give all of this space to cars, it will, they will expand and cut corners and do all these things. But if you decrease the space, they will still function just fine. Yeah. I mean, Watson will tell you that's exactly how Watson, your, your dog, your puppy dog operates. <laughs> He definitely takes up a lot of room on the bed at night. And if that's, I that's what I'm talking if, about. if I don't assert myself and the space that I'm going to sleep in, I lose it. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> um, that's the the big infrastructure news. Uh, it was kind of a light load this this season, but you know, it's January and we're ready to keep moving through the winter season. Cause as Brian and I will talk about later in this episode, there are a lot of people who still ride all the way through winter and there are a ton of cycling, uh, winter riding, like seminars and everything. So if you want more information, this next segment, Brian and I will talk about the ins and outs of winter biking clothes, what to look out for and whatnot. In other news, to round out the segment, uh, I like to talk about something really fun that happened in the news. Uh, some crazy out there story. Wait, nothing ever happens. In <laughs> the news it's fun. It's really just doom and gloom these days. I know. <laughs> so I don't want to go too much into Zwift today because I'm going to do a dedicated segment to it in the near future. However, there was some really exciting news. So first, um, for anyone who doesn't know what Zwift is, I think I've mentioned it a handful of times, but I haven't really talked about what it is. Uh, Greg, why don't you enlighten the listener in a brief description of, of what this thing is? Cool. Uh, gladly. So there's this thing called Zwift and it's a workout video game for an indoor bike. Oh, I like to tell, yeah, it's a workout video game for an indoor bike. And, um, but for an indoor smart bike, and this is, uh, this is the latest and greatest in indoor bike training technology, but just, it's fun. It's kind of like Mario Kart, but if you could <laughs> hop on an indoor bike trainer, um, in the convenience of a living room and and have someone throw bananas at yourself when you when you go the wrong way <laughs> I do um, think just, they like they like to do an April Fool's last year uh, everybody was on little like kids trikes like the big plastic like Bobby's world kind of trike yeah um, yeah for the for the day it was really fun I could yeah. totally see them doing like a Mario Kart version oh, like, where you can, I like, really <laughs> hope they will I really hope you they shoot will. things at other other yeah. avatars <laughs> but yeah but but you hop on your indoor bike but you have to have this big big old setup you got to have a computer mm -hmm. or some some device and then you're plopping this 3d world where you can ride up in these different fantasy lands with mountains and ocean cliffside views it's all through online a volcano. So you, can, you can you can bike through a volcano people like an actual volcano it's really and cool then, yeah it, it it's pretty neat um but it, it's it's 
made indoor biking a ton of fun mm-hmm. um, for people who love biking, like me and I think Laura and I, slowly one by one, all my bike friends. Mm-hmm. I've 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 consulted uh, with them on how to set up Zwift so they can put their bike on an indoor bike trainer and uh ride with me when the weather is 11 degrees fahrenheit outside Mm -hmm. Um, so we can get our exercise in and hang out on an indoor exercise sesh nice so So, yeah yeah so where we're going with all of this is i think greg summed it up nicely first of all excellent explanation of what it is i'm definitely gonna start i'm gonna start using that that phraseology um but what did i even say (laughs) what that's a good question you said it is a uh virtual video game oh man now i have to go back and listen it was brilliant it's brilliant um (laughs) anyway uh you touched on it though in your explanation you have to have this whole indoor setup and that could be um a trainer like a smart trainer you can do a, a basic trainer um, but you have to put all kinds of sensors on it so uh you have to have this fancy trainer that costs hundreds of dollars you have to have a bike that fits on it you might have to get a new skewer or even a new cassette to fit on it. i know someone who who had that issue so there could be a lot of factors that make it really difficult in some ways it's nice because you might need to put it away depending on your space but if all of that is not as appealing to you because you have to do all of these things and set up all of this stuff Zwift has a response probably more to the Peloton than to setting all of the stuff up but they are in uh production or in they're currently concepting a um a really fancy at home bike. And the reason I think this is really cool is because of a feature in the game where if you climb enough uh, hills, mountains, whatever it is, you can eventually unlock this super cool bike. Can you tell people about the bike, Greg? That's right, friends. You can level up by exercise. Um, I didn't <laughs> think I'd ever be excited about this, but uh, so in the, the yeah, in the game, the more you exercise in the game, the more mountains you climb in the game, you get points, you get money to buy cool colored socks, new jerseys, and um, new bike frames. And eventually, you can if you level up enough, you can get um, you can get a Tron bike. You can get a bike with lit up wheels, uh, so just cool. like the movie Tron, and you can ride around this fantasy world with thousands of people and show off how much you've exercised and how much dedication you've put into this game. Um, but I, I just want to, I just want to break this down for people. I recently, so it was like a whole thing. You got to be on the right challenge. That's a whole <laughs> discussion we'll get into when uh-huh. we dive deeper into what Swift is. But I was really excited because I was coming up to like the edge of the challenge and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get my concept bike, my Tron bike. It's going to be so cool. And then I realized that I was only at like an intermediate uh, challenge and I had to complete that challenge to have access to the even bigger challenge that would eventually lead to a Tron bike. So I, silly me, was like, I've been riding Zwift for two years. I'm totally going to unlock this thing. 
no, <laughs> you, you have to ride a lot you have to, ride to get a lot. this bike <laughs> and you have bike. to ride uphill. So it's not just riding. If you do a ton of riding, that's all flat. It will take you oh. forever. If you do a lot of riding that includes climbing up mountainsides, you'll get there a lot faster. Um, so that's the key, but anyway, so it looks really cool. I'll have a link to it, uh, in the thing, but if you are looking for something that's not Peloton, this might be your, your future bike. And, oh, right. and the reason that uh, we're talking about the Tron bike is because this concept bike has like the lit up wheels for when you put it in your house. It looks super cool. Anyway, that right. was the article that I want to talk about this week. <laughs> yeah, we kind of bury the lead. The lead is that Zwift <laughs> is, a so- is, a, is a software video game, uh, exercise video game, but they're coming out with their own all-in-one bike that you can, that anyone can all. fit any bike yeah, and do it all, and you can fit pretty much any bike, and it'll it'll hook up to the game very easily for you. So mm-hmm. um, there are many devices out there, but this is the first time that the game maker is making their own device that'll mm-hmm. be like an all-in-one platform for you all you all to go out and buy and have your own real-world Tron bike um, that you can pair with your in-game Tron bike when you <laughs> when you get climb there. up all those virtual mountains and put blood, sweat, and tears into it. Anyway, um, Greg, thank you so much for being here today. You're very welcome. Uh, I'm sure I'll have you back for a more uh, deeper dive chat for the the big conversations in the future, Uh, but I appreciate you coming doing the news with me. Thanks for having me on, Laura. Welcome back, everybody. For this week's segment of Friends on Bikes Eating Dessert, I'm changing things up a little bit again because I wanted to talk about the all-important concept of winter biking. This year, especially, or today especially, it's apropos because we just got a huge snowstorm overnight. I'm looking out at the beautiful snowfall. I had to drag Watson out for a walk because he was not interested because it's higher than him at the moment. And uh, to do this, I wanted to bring on a good friend of mine. And part of the reason that I I reached out to him to do this is because I have this great memory of several years ago at this point, him reaching out to me and saying, hey, will you be on a winter biking panel? And me being like, sure, I've only done it for one winter, but I'd be happy to talk about it. And you were so shocked that I hadn't been just riding all year, all of the time. Um, so welcome, Brian McKenzie, to the podcast. Happy to be here. <laughs> I just I just remember that so fondly. And what a great panel that was. It was with uh, Liza was on that panel with me. And that was just, that was really fun. Yeah, that was great. I was very surprised that at that point, <laughs> you had only been biking for one winter. But also, it was great to get like someone who had just started doing its opinion uh, yeah. was really was really helpful. I completely forgot about that panel. Yeah, that panel was super fun. And what I liked about it is not only did I get, get to give my perspective as someone who'd actually only biked for one winter, but it was a lot of give and take. So we had three panelists with varying levels of riding in winter, and then just a ton of people in the crowd who were really helpful. So I think I think it ended up being just a wonderful resource for everyone. Uh, so that was super fun. But yeah, I wanted to repay the favor of you bringing me onto a panel by bringing you on to talk about winter biking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Brian, um, let's 
start with the easy question. How do we, how do we dress for winter? Like even before it starts to snow or ice or any of that, once the days start to turn chilly, what is your advice for people who are thinking about how to dress for this time of year? Yeah. Um, I basically recommend using what you have. Uh, if you live in Boston or live somewhere where it gets cold, you probably already have a lot of winter clothes. For the most part, you can use that when you're riding. Um, there's all sorts of gear you can get into, but you'll figure out what works for you. Um, you know, make sure you're wearing layers. It's generally less cold biking because you're working than just being outside. So if you have a heavy winter jacket, you might want something actually a little lighter. Um, as always, people say dress in layers. Um, so make sure you have something that'll block the wind and then some insulation. Um, gloves. I love wool socks. I would say like wool socks are like the most important thing <laughs> that you could be wearing and keep your toes warm. Um, particularly if it gets a little bit wet. Yeah. I, I think you touched on something that is very important to me and very key, especially for this podcast where I, you know, I'm trying to touch an audience that is not just the like, go, 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 rah, 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 biker, um, which is that use use what's at your disposal. Most of the people who live in this area already have all of the gear they might need. And then I, I often talk about it as your overall level of um, bike style or potential comfort could be adjusted based on what you have. But most of the time we have what we need. I spent my winter riding in just like a shell with a sweater underneath it. The other side of that too, you were talking about warming up. I think the general rule that people talk about is dress for five minutes into your ride, not how you feel in the moment. And then I, I want to add on to that as well, which is it's not as cold as you think it is. I remember my, you know, my first winter before I started riding in winter, I I'd be like, oh, no, I'm not. Why would I do that? Oh my goodness. No, I value my life. I'm not going to go outside when it's cold and snowy and blah, blah, blah. The reality is like, once you start doing it, all of a sudden it'll be 40 degrees on like a random February. And you'll be like, oh my God, it's so hot out here. <laughs> I actually find even on like cold days, it's often thinking about how not to overheat rather than yeah. how to stay warm, right? You're moving, you're, it's basically like going for a run. You're not going to get that cold. Mm -hmm. um, like I've recently switched to using a headband instead of like a beanie hat. And mm -hmm. just because like, it makes me sweat a little bit less, which is weird to think about when it's like, you know, 25 <laughs> degrees out, but it definitely happens. Yeah. And, and then the last thing I'll add on to the, the winter wear part of this is think about your base layer. So, uh, you know, a lot of people will tout um, like a merino wool or something that will wick sweat away. Sometimes I'll put on just like under armor that I have around, but I think don't stress about going out and buying something, but by that same token, don't wear cotton don't have a cotton base layer, that's a bad idea because it's going to get sweaty and it's going to hold that moisture. And then you stop for a minute somewhere and you feel the breeze and all of a sudden you're, you're chilly because of that. 
Yeah. I'd also say like what you have to dress for on a normal day in winter is very different from what you'd have to dress for today where it's actively snowing. We have Mm -hmm. probably six to eight inches on the ground and the roads aren't totally clear. Uh, When it gets wet, things get harder, but it doesn't mean riding through the winter doesn't necessarily mean riding every day of the winter. Uh, As long as you're getting on your bike throughout the winter, I think that counts. And, uh, you know, adjusting your method for what the the weather's throwing at you. Yeah, I think that's important too. I don't often ride on the day it actually snows. I I find a reason to stay home. Hopefully you don't have to actually be somewhere. Maybe you take the bus that day. I think that's a a good call too. So let me ask you something. How has your, you talked about um, changing to a headband. How has your uh, style your look changed over time in the winter. I shouldn't say style and look, but like, how has your dressing changed so, over time? Preparing for this podcast, I remembered uh, probably like eight years ago when I first started riding bikes in winter, I didn't have a good pair of gloves. Mm-hmm. And so I just put wool socks on my hands <laughs> and rode a few times like that. Uh, so I have evolved. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Definitely, um, you know, for the most part, I use sort of the fancy lobster gloves. I find my my hands are probably the coldest part um, since they're sort of exposed out front. Um, so keeping your hands warm are important. So I have fancy lobster gloves. I've tried bar mitts a couple times this winter, which I really Can like. You tell the resistant. audience. Sorry, tell the bar audience. Mitts what bar mitts are. are. Um, basically, they are instead of having big bulky gloves in your hands, they're neoprene covers that go over your handlebars so you like insert your hands into them and then you can have your brakes inside them um uh they've worked really well uh they're kind of expensive i've sort of just been resistant to using them in the past Um, they're expensive yeah they're expensive and they're at risk of being stolen off your bike because there's no good way to secure them i've heard of people like adding rivets so that they can secure it to their bike and it's not easy to get on and off, so. Yeah, um, but they, they've they kept me warm. I know people who swear by them. Um, what else? Uh, I have a merino wool buff that I absolutely love, um, keeping my, my face warm. Um, and then I basically just, like, I'll wear jeans if it's not wet. I'll wear my, like, down jacket, and if it's particularly cold I'll throw my raincoat over it um and that's basically my system um do you ever put yeah. like leggings on under your jeans or do I'm you just let your legs cold get cold days. I have leggings I've you know uh I think they're even cotton leg- leggings uh which violates your rule but uh <laughs> that's really more for your the middle cold. of your back yeah yeah um but it's, I find it's, once you figure out what works for you, it's pretty simple. Yeah. And, you know, we can give tips to the audience, but in the long run, try a bunch of stuff. I did the same thing. I had, um, you know, I've had different systems over time. Sometimes I, I just wear like my big bulky jacket and then I, I wear like a t-shirt underneath it because otherwise I'll sweat too much. Uh, I think the one thing that was funny when I was, when I was commuting full-time for work in Cambridge and I was commuting over the winter, I ran into this issue where 
you know, I'd wear like my base layer, a sweater or a sweatshirt or something. I try to minimize how much of a change of clothes I bring to work because I don't want to carry that much stuff. So normally like the sweater I was going to wear that day and my shell on the outside, my windproof shell. And then I'd go out for lunch and all I'd have is this windproof shell. And I'd be like, oh snap, I don't have an, like, I'd have this problem where off the bike, I didn't have enough layers. <laughs> so that's just a little side note. <laughs> think, of, think about the whole day, not just while you're riding. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. <laughs> Uh, but over time, yeah, I, th- I just, a lot of times I just throw on whatever I have at home. I have too many random things that I wear and I'm always, uh, resident, re- reticent to put money into something when I, I still have this random thing I can wear at home. Um, my last piece of advice that I normally give around winter cycling to talking about gear is, um, you know, if this, if it's important to you to be able to ride with rain pants or ride in a way that's not going to get wet, invest in one really good piece of equipment each season. Um, so maybe one year you buy those really good rain pants that are a couple hundred dollars. And then next year you buy the waterproof bag that you really wanted. And, and that way you can space it out because you, you don't need all of it at once. You can tolerate more than you think you can. And I think that's important to remember. Yeah, you could easily drop, like, if you wanted to outfit yourself with the highest gear that's going to be perfect, is you could drop thousands of dollars, and then you're going to figure out, oh, that wasn't exactly what I wanted anyways. Or, you know what, Mm -hmm. I don't like riding in the rain at all. Why would I be use these rain pants and clothes and all that? And ask around, maybe someone bought it and doesn't need it anymore. That's a big one too, that a lot of people have gear just sitting around that they're happy to let you borrow. So let's round this segment out um, with some positives. So what are some positive sides of winter riding? Yeah. um, It can be really nice riding in the winter. Um, So uh, it's not too hot. I find riding the, the, there's an old joke that I've always heard, which is in Boston, you can only ride in three seasons, fall, winter, and spring. The summer's just too hot. (laughs) Um, So you're not going to turn up a sweaty mess like you do in the summer. Um, (laughs) But also you just, I like it for all the reasons I like riding other times of the year. Um, I remember for a couple of years, you led a hot chocolate ride every it was New Year's it's, Day. It's coming back, but we, we had to postpone it this year because cases were out of control, are out That's of control. Uh, where we had, you know, 20 people or so. We went to, you know, four different hot chocolate spots, rode around the city, warmed up at each one and kept going, uh, which was a great way to spend the day. Um, I can just sort of feel like a nice fun adventure if you are out riding in a storm. Um, I remember Mass Bike was hosting a conference out in Waltham at one point. Um, and it happened to be on a day, a Saturday morning where there was six inches on the snow of coming down that morning. And, uh, I was one of the only people 
who biked to the conference of bike people. So I felt pretty proud of myself when I rolled up and realized that almost everyone else had driven their cars. Uh, so I felt pretty good about that. Well, yeah. I think that sums it up. Uh, the long story short, I think we want everyone to remember is that winter biking is great. You don't have to do it. There's no pressure. We're not telling you you have to be a winter rider, but that it is very doable. And we're always happy to be here to help with advice if you need encouragement because we would encourage everybody to definitely pick up winter riding. So Brian, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, we will have Brian back for a little game later in the episode. Um, but for now that concludes friends on bikes, eating dessert, and we will be back in a moment. All right. We got this. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to let everyone know. We definitely like signed off. And then immediately I was like, oh, snap. We didn't do the last question. The most important part of friends on bikes eating dessert. So Brian, thank you for hopping back on Zoom with me for a second. Um, as, a, as I kind of established at the beginning, this is not my typical way of doing friends on bikes eating dessert. Normally I do it in person and we go for a ride. Brian and I are going to go for a ride this weekend, but as a thank you for doing this recording, I still wanted to make sure he got his dessert. So Brian, can you tell everybody what your favorite dessert is? My favorite dessert is cannolis, uh, probably from Mike's Pastries. And can you tell everybody what I got you <laughs> instead of She that? got me Ben and Jerry's cannoli flavored ice cream, <laughs> which so is pretty good. It's pretty good. We're sitting here eating. I got a pint for me and a pint for him. Um, the story behind this is that Brian and I, uh, with another friend went to Vermont. Yeah, we went to Vermont together and we ended up going to Ben and Jerry's and I have one of my favorite photos is the two of us with our heads stuck through the Ben and Jerry's sign. So it just seemed appropriate to get Ben and Jerry's. Plus I wasn't going to bike all the way to the North end, um, in the cold on a last minute notice. So <laughs> this summer we promise we will get cannolis together, but in the meantime, we have this wonderful cannoli flavored Ben and Jerry's ice cream, which I do recommend to everybody. So Brian, thank you for coming on. Enjoy your ice cream and we'll pose for a photo in a second. Y'all get to see this lovely zoom photo of the two of us eating dessert together. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Welcome, everyone. Uh, for today's interview, I am sitting down with someone that uh, she may not know this, but I actually find very inspirational because she started her own running group, the Trailblazers, uh, and she's very self-motivated when it comes to fitness goals to cycling uh, and setting goals and hitting them in a way that I am not great about doing. I end up just signing up for things to make sure that happens or I rely on others. Uh, so I, I find that really interesting. And so I wanted to take a moment and have a conversation with the one and only Liz Rock to talk to me about these things today. So Liz, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, thank you for having me first and foremost. Um, my name is Liz Rock. I am a lot of things. I'm a runner. I'm a cyclist. Um, I am one of the co-founders of Trailblazers Run Co. Um, I like to call myself a community builder because I like to like bring people together, um, especially women. 
I say that I do women's work or try to do it as best as I can. Um, and I, for my nine to five, I'm a healthcare analyst. So I'm not pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> You're building community and then you turn around and go, ah, oh, it's no big deal. Um, for anyone not paying attention or who doesn't read show notes, that's Trailblaze Hers yes. with the H-E-R-S at the end. But I love that you said it perfectly the first time because some people are like, Trailblaze Hers. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, it's just Trailblazers. It's just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like her story. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think I talked about this with Yari as well, which is that. You know, we do all of this in our spare time. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. What what motivated you to start this organization? So um, so Trailblazers, for people who don't know, it's an all-women's running group. Um, I would say, like, running is, like, my first love. But cycling is kind of taking over a little bit right now. <laughs> yes, <it is>. yes. <laughs> um, so I've been in the running community for about like five, six years. And I've always like ran with running groups. There's a lot of amazing running groups here in Boston. Um, and I was co-leading for one of the running groups here in Boston for a while. And me and my friend, we um, started the bra run um, about four years bra ago. Run? The bra. Oh, bra run. Bra. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should do a raw run. <laughs> soon but no the bra run which is basically kind of giving the middle finger to like mainstream hell yeah um like the mainstream messaging that like how a woman's body should look like how a mm-hmm. um runner should look like um so we created the bra run to kind of bring women together to like help promote like body positivity sisterhood you know um and after that event women would always be like what's next like when when's the next event and we're like um no like this is a lot of work to put together (laughs) (laughs) i'll see you next july like sort of thing (laughs) so finally last year um we decided to create trailblazers front co yeah (laughs) i've i've been there it's a lot of work and people want it i'm like oh you can go out and do something (laughs) right it's it is a lot like that is like my life now is like my nine to five and like organizing events pretty yeah. much what kind of events do you do? like what what's what did you do this past year so or past couple of months if that's too much yep um so we um our like thing for trailblazers is we host self-care sundays mm-hmm. where it's like um we really take initiative to like not only care about like your physical health but like also care about your mental health and your emotional health and like your spiritual health so we host self-care sundays where we pair up like running um with like some sort of self-care or self um feel good activity um to follow up with that um so it's like whether it's like meditation whether like we did like a retreat um yoga we did like dance we do dance classes we'll bring in like mental health like professionals to come in and like speak to the girls so it's like we try to do a little bit of like touch all areas yeah um cuz to me that's super important to like be good in all of those areas yeah you want to be well rounded well rounded like, right cuz sometimes yeah. i feel like for me anyways i could kind of like 
I'll focus like so much on I'll focus so much on like one area, like the physical area, not really put too much effort in like the mental and um like emotional um mm-hmm. you know, area. So <laughs> I think it's super important to like try to be well balanced. Yeah. Do you get a lot of like new runners when they're coming? We in? do get a lot of new runners. So it's like running could be super intimidating. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like kind of like a difference between cycling. Cause I feel like people could be intimidated with cycling, but I feel like it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could like agree to disagree. Oh, no, I, <laughs> agree with you. I personally, I come from a family of a lot of runners, but I, I, I ran four years of cross country and was like, I'm good. I oh, need so you to need to this. come to one of our self cares. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I did get a pair of shoes recently. Okay. I was, I was helping out with uh, the unnamed run crew yep. uh, on my bicycle as a uh, kind of a marshal. Right. Uh, I got a nice pair of Under Armour okay. shoes. Here so you go. Maybe, maybe I need to break them. Join in. for sure. That's <laughs> awesome. Yes. Um, but yeah, so. We get a lot of runners, so it's like we'll offer three miles, and then we'll offer also um, a one-mile walk to, like, ease people in. But we, like, try to, like, find ways to, like, push girls to, like – because, like, we get a lot of runners who it's, like, they never ran, really. And it's, like, you know, um, they ran with they ran the three miles, and then, like, now they're running marathons a year later. Dang. So it's, like, it's so possible. It's just, like, such a mental, like – mind fuck sorry <laughs> you can <say> that. <laughs> i'll just put a little e on that <laughs> um yeah it's like such a mental like we like get in our ways mentally with a lot of things mm-hmm. but it's it's doable you know yeah i mean i run into that all the time with cycling when i'm riding by myself for a really really long time right. i just i just don't feel the motivation like, right i just don't want to go any further i don't want to keep doing right it. Um, so I like the, the community element, having the people there doing right. it with you. And then, uh, you know, that kind of leads me towards, um, the century that you did. Right. Uh, we talked about it on the podcast a few weeks ago with Yari. Uh, but what was, you know, you started kind of running. Yep. What kind of shifted you towards cycling? So it was kind of selfish. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that was not where I thought I was going to go. <laughs> So I really, so I've like, I've, um, cycled before, but very short distances. Like mm-hmm. I was into try doing like sprint triathlons and it's like 10 miles, do you 13 do the swim as well. I have done the swim. Uh, that's where I always fail. I've done like a, a run bike run. Right. Oh, I don't do swimming. <laughs> well, that's the, th- like, I can't like, that's the, the swimming part is what's holding me back to like, try like a, a bigger distance in the try because i say that i could survive in the water i'm not really efficient and i need a wetsuit mm. <laughs> or we could just all do a relay one too. <laughs> right yes i love the relay ones too it's so it's fun um and it's less um intimidating to do the relay um so last year was a hard year for everyone um and you know the whole thing with brianna taylor had happened and I wanted to do something to, like, you know, help um, promote what was going on with her and, like, her story and help celebrate her as well. Um, so I um, did the ride for Brianna Taylor. And it, and 
in that time of, of last year, I wasn't running as much because due to like injury and stuff. Um, so I'm like, what's the next best thing that I could do? And it was cycling. Um, so, um, the first ride for Brianna Taylor happened in July. Um, and I had like added like a, um, like a challenge to it as well. Like ride a hundred miles for that month or whatever. Um, and just like riding through July and like trying to hit that hundred miles for the month really got me into, into cycling. <laughs> you just got, it just snowballed from there. Pretty much. What, what did you do to get to the hundred miles? Was it, you know, just like riding every day or did you go out and do longer rides on the weekend? I was riding, um, a little bit every day. And then I kept on, like, I'm an endurance junkie. So like, mm-hmm. I love endurance sports. So like, I found myself like going longer and longer, but I was in the incorrect, like I was fitted. I had a hybrid at the time. So like things started to hurt, like my knees started to hurt. I'm like, Ooh, probably shouldn't be doing this, but I was doing it anyways. Like I would ride like 50 miles, like on this hybrid that I shouldn't be riding that long distance on that hybrid. Um, but that's pretty much how I really got into, into cycling. Oh, that's awesome. I, I think about that a lot when people say, you know, what do I need? What, what should I do? My first, uh, real road bike as an adult was my sister's mm-hmm. and it was too small for me. Yeah. And I, I did the same thing I did. I think I did, uh, one of the charity rides that's like two seventy five mile days down Ooh. to the Cape on a bike that was too small for me. Yeah. But wow. you just, you, you know, you get the bug. Yeah. You get the bug. It's so much fun. And then you go back and you just get whatever equipment you need later. So right. I love hearing that, that, you know, even though it wasn't the right bike, right. you were still, you know, excited and, right. and ready to ride on it. So I want to dig more into the ride for Brianna Taylor. Mm-hmm. So you did the first one in July and, you know, you said you did it because would it would it have been a running event if you hadn't been injured? I think so. It would yeah. have been. <laughs> okay. Well, then we might not have met. So I'm know. really glad it was a biking event. Um, so you did the event. Did you ever intend to do another one? Or was it just having so many people there and the, that same kind of mentality of everybody wanting to you know, continue to ride and to say her name and to, to continue bringing that story forward? Honestly, I don't remember if I intended to do another one. Another one did happen. Like, two other mm-hmm. ones happened after that. Um, but I think, um, for me, like, I try to use, like, what people love. Um, I try to use it, like, as a, a vehicle for change, right? So, like, I try to use sports, um, and I'm into cycling and running. So, like, I try to use either one of those to, like, try to get people together um, to either like share a story or to like bring awareness to something um or to bring about like some sort of like social change um so I can't tell you (laughs) I would be lying to say if I remember if I tended to do another one or not but another one did happen (laughs) that's okay that's okay if you don't remember um Yari told this really amazing story about uh, how it felt leading the ride and looking right. back and seeing all the people. Do you did you have that same kind of wow? This is a really momentous thing. Yeah. Having all of these people following me, having everybody chanting. Did you have that same kind of? Absolutely. I think it's it's just such a power. I'm really just trying to prompt you to tell me more about the ride. <laughs> how did you feel? No, it's um it it um 
it's like a feeling that I really can't explain. Like when you see like people of like all colors, all backgrounds coming together to like help bring awareness to such an important like situation. Um, and especially a situation that's like close and dear to my heart. I, I, it makes me super happy and like super emotional. Okay. It makes me super emotional. Um, and just to see like, so Yari was the third one that we did. Yari was leading it. I was like towards the back and just to see like this massive group of people like riding down the streets and like chanting and like, you know, bringing awareness in the, in like in Boston was truly something special. Yeah, I went, I think I went to the second and third one, but I remember bringing my sister with me and Watson. Uh Watson was there. Uh, Watson's always there. (laughs) Watson's (laughs) always there. Um, But my sister had had reached out to me and said, you know, I really want to come to one of these events and it's really tough for her because she's got two small kids. Yeah. So taking a day off, she kind of told her husband, this is happening. Right. I'm going to go do this. Right. And we were standing at the, the halfway point in the seaport or no, excuse me. Um, we were standing at the beginning mm-hmm. and they talked about like how young Brianna Taylor right. was. She was 29, 27. She was 27 at the time, 27. I believe. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. And so having this moment where they basically looked at the crowd and said, you know, stand up or raise your hand if right. you're this age, this age. And then at a certain point it was like, okay, well she lived to 27 you've, all are either near that age or right. you know we're lucky enough to pass it um and that was such a like to, to your point it's hard to describe but like it's just so heartbreaking to right to you know visualize that with everybody in the crowd right and like visualizing that like she was legit in her bed asleep like she didn't even get the opportunity to like try to like defend herself mm-hmm. you know what i mean like try to defend herself she was like you know after like a long day of work, she came home to rest. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. who's going to think like, oh yeah, I'm not going to wake up in the morning because someone like, there's going to be police like going to come in, like shoot me. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, I can't like wrap my head around like that even happening. Like to me, it's like a movie, like how? Yeah. And I, I can't imagine that a, that was a concern she even had when she right. went to sleep you no know? You it wasn't a con- it. no it's not a concern she had <laughs> going to sleep you know what i mean so it's yeah. like just to think of how like that didn't need to happen mm-hmm. and it was like the wrong house that they said that they got like it was so preventable mm-hmm. well you know when we talk about brianna taylor and we talk about bringing together these movements it's just so important because you get a lot of misinformation in the media you get a lot of uh well do we really know what happened and so it's really important to have these events because you can bring forward the information you can visualize it as we talked about and you can bring all of these people together in that moment to remind them what's happening and to remind them how to get involved. Right. So coming out of those <coughs> events, and I, I remember you also had the um, the bibs for everyone. Right. Uh, was there, I'm trying to remember, uh, you know, we're always looking for action items. What can we do next? Right. Do you follow up with that coming out of it saying these are the other things you can continue to do to support uh, reform to support uh, reform for police violence for 
uh, defunding or anything right. like that. Right. So like when it comes to like these like sort of events, it's like it's great to show up. That's like mm-hmm. the beer. Bare bare minimum that you could do is show up, but it's like what what are you gonna do afterwards is super important, and that's what why it was super important for us to like have the biz where it's like we provided you, it was super easy. A QR mm-hmm. code brought you to a whole bunch of files to like tell you like okay you could donate here, you could email this person, you could call here. So it was like very intentional about like next steps because mm-hmm. again showing up. It's great and thank you, but it's like more needs to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that I know with the Ride for Black Lives, something that we're trying to do as well is how do we have more community action, (coughs) not just a fun bike ride that people can come and attend. Right. And uh, and the Ride for Breonna Taylor was the same thing. You know, you put on more events because people really craved these moments to come and support. But you got to make sure that that includes all of those other actions as well. Uh, fun side note for a moment uh-huh. Watson was uh, featured in a little radio show uh-huh. clip um, the WBZ was like yeah. oh you have a dog in a backpack can we do a little feature <laughs> on you and I had made a comment that like yeah he comes with me on bike rides we did you know the ride for black lives ride for Brianna Taylor and that got basically into a sound bite of him repeating back from his notes uh-huh. watson goes on ride goes to <laughs> protests and rallies and then of course there were at least two people in the comments that were like protests and rallies i'm out and one other person was like to your point was like oh that's so interesting like uh, i'm sure you know you went to this thing but what did you really do to support <laughs> and it was like this is a just this is just a story about a dog and right <laughs> like <laughs> calm simmer down please feel free to attack me right and make sure I'm doing something, but he's a dog leave a watson alone <laughs> poor watson he brought smiles to people's faces <laughs> people are ridiculous like people have nothing better to do with nothing better to do than comment on tiktok (laughs) (laughs) anyway watson's doing more than a lot of people okay so (laughs) get out of here (laughs) uh yeah sorry i just had to get that story out because it just like hit me i almost commented and then i was like what am i doing why no yeah because it's like you go down like this like rabbit hole of like it's not even worth it. <laughs> well, actually, his owner. <laughs> no, I started that with well, actually, therefore. It should be I know. <laughs> oh, okay, so we're we're still going through the timeline here. So we yep. went from runner to injury to wanting to do a bike ride, and then that prompted you wanting to do an additional challenge um, of the hundred miles. Yep. How did deciding that you wanted to do a century come up? Well, it was pretty funny because it was super random. <laughs> Always. It, and this is how, like, me and my friends get in trouble. Like, we're just, <laughs> it was me and my friend Abeo. We were at Tasty Burger. And <laughs> 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 <In> the, <laughs> the idea of, yeah, riding to the Cape over burgers popped up in one of our heads. And once you put an idea in my head and if that light bulb goes 
mm-hmm. goes off, like forget about it. <laughs> like <laughs> we're all in trouble. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've had a brilliant idea and I've never followed through on it. So yeah, tell me and if that light bulb goes off then maybe like okay. I got you. <laughs> but yeah, so that was like the start of Oh man, like that would be pretty cool. Like I could definitely get like a group of people together, like a group of women together to do this. Yeah. Uh, and you posted about it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm sure other places, but that's where I really followed the whole journey. Was that was that a part of it as well as like having the encouragement from the community and see and cuz I know sometimes part of the reason we do these stories is so that we can inspire others, which you right. did just as a side note. Um, <laughs> but you know, was that part of it or was it just, you were like, yeah, I just, this is what I'm doing. So I'm putting it up here. I'm my goal always is to like inspire women to like do mm-hmm. things that maybe like is like a male dominated thing to do mm-hmm. or like, just like, again, like we get in our own way and like we question ourselves so much so like whenever I'm posting anything like that is always like the end goal is to like maybe like put like that light bulb in like someone else's head to be like I could do this like if Liz could do this um I could do this as well so that's always like my end goal (laughs) and then you just put together a training plan and just went for it so well that's the thing so um I know a lot of amazing women mm-hmm. who either knows how to do something or could point me to the right direction on mm-hmm. who could do it. So like, you know, getting the group together, like Yari, my friend Meg, like it was just very like intentional. Like these are the people who I know, like I'm going to be able to do this with. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my friend Meg, she does centuries in her sleep she's good at mapping things out you know what i mean so like everyone like played a part a role role in like getting this done that's awesome did you do the whole century because it was pretty rainy that weekend yes i did the once i have my mind set to something Mm -hmm. it's gonna happen like it would it would have to be like i got super injured which is probably not the best thing (laughs) that i would have to stop like i trained for this Mm -hmm. and i think being a runner really helped me because like training for marathons and things like you get in the habit of running in whatever weather especially being in new england so like i've ran marathon 26 miles in like the rain and cold and you know in the heat so it's like if i put in the miles in um and it is what it is like you, you just never know what you're gonna get and a lot of people told us just reschedule (laughs) 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 a lot of people are like just reschedule like what are you doing it's not safe i'm like listen i'm busy like it's either now or never (laughs) it's either now or never so um it was miserable i'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) it was was what they call type a fun (laughs) yes it was so mis like don't get it twisted it was yeah or type type two fun however they phrase whatever whatever type it was not the fun type (laughs) 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 it was so cold and like but when you see that you know 99 switch over to one zero zero right one you just stop Right. right. You don't have to go. <laughs> 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 too, like, it's just so satisfying. Right. It like, is very just, satisfying. Like, you, 
you kind of forget some of the pain and the misery because <laughs> you just feel so accomplished at the end of the day. Yeah, it it is. Um, it's in like two when you get to like certain points. It's like okay, I got to fifty miles. Liz, you could do another fifty miles, and like I really did train. Like I really, mm-hmm. like put in the time to train. So it's like I knew I could cover the distance. It was the elements that kind of yeah. And that's a tough one that, uh, you know, that knocks out a lot of people when they're, they're riding, I think. So the reason I really love this story and uh-huh. why I find it so inspirational just to, you know, <laughs> tie it together for okay. a moment, is that, uh, you came from basically not riding very much, not doing a lot. And this goes back to what you were saying with the runners, you know, trying to push them to run just a little bit more like, right. okay, we have this one mile walk, right. but you could jog a little bit of it like you got this right and it's the same idea i run into people biking all the time i had a friend who commuted a lot and was thinking about doing mileage and they'd done like 20 ish right and every time i was like yeah we could do 30 together they're like oh i haven't done more than 20 miles oh right and i'm like you can do it you can do it you did 20 you're more than halfway there (laughs) (laughs) thank you it's the reason I like these stories is I love hearing about someone who, one, you set your mind to it and did it, which I'm not always the best, but it took me like five years to put this podcast out. But two. It's all of us. Trust me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> like. But, you know, this idea, you can do more than you think you can. Yes. And don't let, to your point, don't let, don't let yourself get in the right. way. Right. Don't let like fear get in the way. And like, mm-hmm. trust me, there's a lot of things that I want to get done that, I'm letting fear get in my way. So tr- mm-hmm. I am no one special. <laughs> Trust me. I am not anyone special. Like I have that too. Um, and we're all trying to fight that mm-hmm. on a daily to like get out of our own way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun to like watch like other women. That, that's what like really brings me joy. It's like, yeah, you know, d- during our training rides, like we would invite other, like we would open it up to a whole group to like come do like, the shorter distances with with us or whatever and i think that really like encouraged other people um especially women to like come out and like try a little longer distances that they think that they wouldn't be able to do that's awesome so uh during this time too you and you still do this of course but um you're always talking about body positivity uh-huh. and all of that do you want to talk at all about that journey yeah sure okay so, so that's <laughs> a long journey <laughs> Well, let me intro it because I wanted to check first. Okay. Uh, so while you were posting about all of this and you're training for your century, something that I saw coming up, and to be fair, I am a more recent follower of what you've been doing, mm-hmm. uh, but there was a lot about the body positivity and, you know, just getting fit. Right. Do you, uh, so take me through that a little bit. What's what's that journey been like? Oh, it's been so hard. <laughs> it's been hard it's like for me like so i started really into like the running scene or like just this whole thing was by posting about like my weight loss journey which has been up and down up and down up and down still till this day um but i was someone who and sometimes i I mean this is again still hard because it's a lifelong journey but i am someone who is like i'm gonna get to this size and like do this i'm gonna get to this size and running us and run in a sports bra i'm gonna get to this size and like go to this yoga class like you know what i mean so it's like and i hate that like that like to me it's like so crippling Mm -hmm. and 
I just kind of like want to show people and like people who do follow me know that like they've probably seen me in all sorts of sizes by now (laughs) since I started this journey and it's like I continue to or try my hardest to continue to like yeah I'm still running marathons I'm still getting on my bike in no matter size that I'm that I'm in you know what I mean it's because being healthy you know is not a size right feeling it's a feeling right how you go out and do things I mean I have this awful habit of especially you know pandemic was yeah all of our waistlines (laughs) but I have a couple of things in my closet even after I did a purge that I was like I know I can fit back into that (laughs) right you're holding you're holding on to it yeah I'm like just buy another size (laughs) it's It's so hard it's mentally tough we all struggle with it yeah so I I always really admire that because I I just I I'm always afraid to like show those sides of me. Right. Yeah. And I think like showing those sides of me kind of like help, like it helps me as well knowing that Mm. maybe I could like reach one person that like suffers through this as well. And I think like no matter what size you are, like you're going like as a woman, it's like, again, like what like society thinks is like the perfect body or whatever. So, um, that like, it's hard. I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just, it is really hard. Um, we just have to be nicer to ourselves. I just think of that scene in mean girls when she's watching the, the three plastics, you know, basically talk about how much they hate their bodies, which all beautiful women. Right. Right. And she observes it as like, you know, observing the wildlife. Yeah. This is the ritual where they go and they find something wrong with themselves. Right. And that, and that is literally like, that is so true. Yeah. It's, it's sad, but, um, it shouldn't be done. Like we have a body and it should be celebrated. It should be celebrated. Like you could have goals. Like you could, well, like I'm trying to practice right now. It's like I could have goals and I could want to be at a different point, but like the body that I have right now, I shouldn't be hard on it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I could still be working towards my goal, but still appreciate what I have right now. Mm -hmm. So I like that. Appreciate it. Yeah. We're all beautiful. Yes, pretty much. Very much. So, Uh, (laughs) so we've talked about, running Mm -hmm. we've talked about biking we've talked about body positivity uh but you know you can have more than one or two interests in (laughs) life is there anything you like to do outside of oh uh, my god junkiness that is uh, that's such a hard question for me (laughs) it's really tough coming out of a pandemic because i know a lot of the things i used to do i i don't do at the moment right i feel like honestly and i hate to say this because i'm like man i have to like rethink what my hobbies are (laughs) (laughs) honestly my life for the last couple of years have really just been in community Mm. like even if it's like not physically running i'm like in community where it's like we're all going out together we're all like planning an event so it's like i find joy in that Mm-hmm. so i'm always like organizing something i love that so <laughs> it, it's all about but now i'm trying to think oh my god well no but that's really good like it's about being together with 
people you care about. Right. And how do you continue to build that? So sometimes, you know, I'm definitely an introvert. I'm like, well, I have my set of friends and I'm good. Right. it's good to to build out from there. Um, I have friends who love saying things like, "There's nothing. There's no greater thing in the world to me than when two of my friends become friends of their own accord." Oh, like, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's really cool to just like kind of build those communities to keep inspiring people to come and, and do these events. Um, do you ever, uh, you know, what kind of things do you go to? Is it like you go to the movies together? Do you Ooh. have dinners together? Lots of dinners, mm-hmm. lots of dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like to dance. I like to dance go. Is a good I'm one. not a great dancer, but I will dance. Yeah. <laughs> I love music. Um, but like you said, yeah, I love being in community, whether it's like with family or friends. I love, I love, like that brings me super, like a lot of joy. Oh. So. <laughs> Um, okay, we'll round out this conversation because we're coming up on, on time here. But the last thing I do want to ask you is what is your advice? Ooh. What is your advice for someone who's looking to maybe start to get into endurance or even just dip their toe in the water of fitness and, right. and getting healthier? Um, Just doing it. And, and also just I feel like it's easier when you find community. So, mm-hmm. like, finding a group. Like, I never knew the biking community was so big. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so, there is a community out there. You just have to find it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once you find it, like, a lot of the things I don't I, didn't, I don't feel like I would have done if it wasn't because of people. Like, sometimes it's like, I don't want to run. I don't want to go cycling. But it's like, oh, if I'm going to see Yari, if I'm going to see this person, I'm coming. Mm -hmm. um so finding community i think if you want to get into like fitness or like endurance is super important yeah that's a really good one because it's so true like i've had moments where my friend and i were supposed to go do a thing yeah go go for a ride and something happens or there's you know they have to bail whatever it is and i'm by myself and suddenly i'm like "Mm." (laughs) right or i could just stay with my dog all day (laughs) right (laughs) and then i don't do the ride right i have to do the same thing where when i'm training for something i'll send an email to like 12 people right who wants to go for a ride with me this weekend right (laughs) and there's so much like if i mean when you're talking about like cycling or running like there's so much groups there's trailblazers there's pioneers there's heartbreak cycling there's like women on wheels there's brothers on bikes you know what i mean so it's like and they're always doing something yeah. weekly and so. they all kind of intermix too a lot of times and do events together right so you can overlap with groups find other people in other groups find other crazy people who want to do the same thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. i i my neighbor has this show he was supporting his wife's marathon and I'm trying to remember exactly what it said, but essentially it was like uh, I married into crazy, <laughs> and so I've, I'm here to su- I'm here to support the marathon. I married right. into crazy. Like <laughs> so yeah, so find your crazy. Find <laughs> <laughs> find your crazy. Find everyone. your crazy. That is my advice for you. <laughs> so uh, find your crazy and find your your ride or dies. Who yes, go out and do it with you. Pretty much. Oh, that's amazing. Um, that was a beautiful conversation. I really enjoyed that. I, I said it multiple times, but I do really enjoy your Instagram 
and seeing yeah. the pictures, reminding myself about body positivity, but also just the the motivation to get out and do something big and bold. Right. Um, that's not just me, you know, signing up and spending money to go <laughs> do a thing. Uh, so. Uh, as we wrap up here, is there anything specific you want to plug? We talked about Trailblazers, but where can we find it? Like, how do I, um, how do I join you? So we host our monthly self-care Sundays, um, usually on a Sunday, obviously. <laughs> um, and you can find us on Instagram is like the best way. It's mm-hmm. just um, Trailblazers. Um, That's what run the H-E-R-S at the yeah, end. The yeah, the H-E-R-S at the end, Run Co., um, and you could get go to our link tree, you could visit our website, and you could um, sign up for our newsletter, and you'll get monthly newsletters where we'll let you know what's going on. That's excellent. Th- anything else that you're involved with that you want to plug? <sighs> Your own Insta or anything like that? No, it's fine. Okay. Just, <laughs> just follow Trailblazers. You'll find me through there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Liz, this has been a beautiful conversation. Thank you for We're having me. Remind ourselves daily to be nicer to ourselves. Yes. Um, Thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. And we are officially recording. Welcome back, Brian, to the pod. Thanks for coming back to my house. Uh, As I talked about a little bit at the beginning, we did it a little backwards this time. Usually for friends on bikes eating dessert, we would do a ride do a chat and then sometimes do the game later or do the game at the same time but this time we had our chat first over zoom and then a few days later when it was bright and sunny and beautiful we did an outdoors ride together so we just got off our cold chilly ride didn't we yeah a little cold but not too bad oh and i'll have some fun footage about winter riding available on my youtube channel for everybody to check out and watson was there in his winter gear and he looked stinking adorable so uh we'll have that for you soon but i i realized since there were a couple of days in between our two chats that there were two things that we didn't talk about in our winter discussion that i want to make sure we mention the first is water when you're cold you don't always feel like you need to drink and if you're doing more than just like a commute you need to keep drinking water that was it. I just wanted to make sure that got said. You looked like you wanted to add to that. I'm really bad about that. Right? I'm it's like, hard. oh, you don't need to drink between, like, you know, October and March. You probably don't <laughs> need to drink anything. No, 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 no. You should still have water with you, especially as we talked about. You'll get sweaty at your core. You'll get dehydrated. But, yeah, you, you won't always feel like you need to drink as much as you do in summer. The other thing as you get better at like handling and stuff like that is that you might want to lower your seat a couple of like centimeters just so that your uh, center of gravity is lower so that if you do slip you can put your feet out or your bike is a little easier to handle when you're lower to the ground so that was the other piece of advice married with that would be that if you are riding in kind of unsure weather Um, like you're going up a hill and you can't quite tell if there's uh, slush stay in your seat don't stand don't get aggressive in your riding stay seated because that's going to be better control for you on the bike I had one more I thought of over the last couple days oh yeah we didn't talk about which was lights 
Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that today, too. Uh, It gets dark real early. And what might have been a nice sunny commute for you in, you know, September is going to be dark by the time you get out of work or wherever you're coming from. So you got to have lights. You want to be able to be able to see. I have a front and back light on my bike and then a front and back light on my helmet. Uh, Just sort of nice to have two for better visibility. And more importantly, when I forget to charge one, the other one still works. Nice. Yeah, um, so I know we officially ended the winter biking chat uh, before, but those were all things that I felt like we still needed to say. So now that we got that out of the way, um, we are going to dive into a little game. Has your phone died yet? No, it just, <laughs> it's just one of those moments where like you're trying to figure out how to start your sentence and you just can't come up with a good segue to come back into the segment. So well, behind the scenes for everyone, my computer, which had been sitting charging, went outside into this cold weather for five minutes and died spectacularly. <laughs> had to go back in, charge it. So we took a quick pause in our recording and we are back. So, you know, time for the game. You ready, Brian? I'm ready. So, a large complaint that you hear from many people who typically don't ride bikes is that why should we expand biking in Boston? You can only ride part of the year. It's inhospitable in winter, this, that, and the other thing. And again, this is just a stereotype and a norm that we're trying to break with the video that we did, with our conversation about how to ride in winter. Uh, Both of us, you know, continue commuting pretty typically throughout the winter. Um, So for this game, I decided to take a look at how many people actually do ride their bikes in Boston in winter. And so this isn't going to be an exact snapshot of everybody in the city because I did this through the Blue Bikes data because Blue Bikes data doesn't lie. It's great. It's all tracked electronically there's no you know they do bike counts here but it's someone with a tally and a clipboard looking at a street and saying how many people rode by how many people in cars went by which is great but it's not what i think of as the most accurate so um and kudos to those people who do (laughs) all right and we're back to recording Again, so one thing I guess what we haven't talked about is the fact that in the cold, if you do have electronics, they're going to die faster. <laughs> She's I'm just left gonna... me out in the cold for like 45 minutes now. <laughs> That's not 100% true. It's like 50% true. Anyway, all right, I think we're ready for this game. I think there's been enough preamble and dead devices that we should go before my phone dies. All right, so Blue Bikes data, totally reliable, totally great, and they started publicly... Uh, reporting it in 2015. So for context, for people listening, Blue Bikes has been around much longer than that. I didn't actually look up when it launched, but it's it's been around for a good long time. So 2015, the bikes would have already been in rotation and people would have known about it and started using them. So that's our first piece of data. So um, I just wanted to, to start there. So in January of 2015, which was the first available month of data, what was the range? Was it somewhere around 5,000, somewhere around 8,000, or somewhere around 10,000? 
Is this trips per? Yes, this is just trips taken in a day. Sorry, that. Or sorry. Okay. Trips per month. That's a good point. I should specify trips that. Trips per month. So this was the amount of trips, January 2015. Say about 10,000. Ooh, the answer is actually 8,000, but that's pretty close. I probably should have made those further apart. Um, so yeah, it was 7,840. Um, and then by June of 2015, did those double, triple, or tenfold? <laughs> Just make it really hard for you. Uh, tripled. It, um, <laughs> oh, you know what? <laughs> I should do math. Anyway, it went up really high after that. Sounds like it went <laughs> up exponentially. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I promise, I was good at math in high school. <laughs> I just haven't done it <laughs> since then. So, it went from uh, 7,800 in January to 144,000 in June. So, it went up exponentially. Yeah. Which is insane. That's a huge difference. It all but. Back then, Blue Bikes was pulling a lot of their docks I was thinking about in that the winter. Too. Um, they've started to be a lot better about keeping the docks, getting them off street in the winter so that people can keep riding it. In 2015, I bet that was towards the beginning of when they were doing that. Yeah. So they were staying open in the winter, but... Limited. Only like, you know, 10 docks compared to their usual. Yeah, I was thinking about that. So I think... December 2015 and from here on out it'll be June and December numbers um, December 2015 I think is the case where they started to open a few more docks the next year um, so was that number this is the worst game ever <laughs> was that number um, you know around the 10,000 range to go super back down was it closer to uh, 50,000, which would be a third of the previous amount. Or did it increase from June? I like this game because it's more of a math problem for you than it is a game for me. <laughs> it's, <so true. laughs> it's harder for you. I should have um, done the math ahead of time. My bad. Let's say it increased, the middle option, it increased, but I don't think it went up from where June was. That is correct. So, um, so in January of 2015, we were at 7,800. Uh, by December of 2015, so almost a year later, that number was at almost 49,000, which is a huge increase and probably related to what you were talking about. So jumping ahead a bunch of years um, to 2019, because I wanted to make sure that the data that we pulled had a typical year, and then a pandemic year or two in it. Um, so in the last quote-unquote normal year of 2019 in June, how much had that number increased? I'm going to free range it for you. Do you think uh, somewhere around like double June before, less than June in 2015? What do you think? Open-ended question. <laughs> <laughs> You're turning it for multiple choices. On me. Mm -hmm. um, so 2015 to 2019, comparing Junes. Comparing Junes. I bet it went up like four times. Ooh, not quite, but 
close. It went up to 270,000. So, so almost double. Al- almost double. Okay. Um, and then the same thing for December, because I feel like this math is going to get really old if I make you guess for every single one. Um, December 2019 kind of fe- it fell into that same pattern of doubling from the December of 2015. Uh, it hadn't quite hit six digits. It was at 92,000. But where I'm going with all this is that... Um, that's a lot of people riding in the winter when people say no one rides their bikes. And these are just people, again, on blue bikes. It's not people who have their own bikes or crazy hardcore people who have eight bikes and, you know, take out different ones at different seasons. So I think it also makes a good point that, like, as you improve the infrastructure, people are going to use it and they'll be willing to bike. Like, that first number was incredibly low. But when you look at it, it's like, well there probably wasn't a lot of support there for people biking in the winter. And as they rolled it out, expanded more docks, people start to use it and they keep doing it throughout the winter. Exactly. And this is where it gets a little fun. So moving into 2020, um, do you think those numbers went up or down? I have no idea. Because I could see a lot of people reverting it to it because they couldn't buy new bikes. Bikes were Mm -hmm. short biking really took off as an outdoor activity but then people weren't commuting that's the thing that i think gets in the way it was a little bit lower in 2020 and i think it has a lot to do with commuting um when i first started commuting i used the blue bikes or the hubway as it, it was called at the time because it was way easier and i think that was back in 2012 i was doing that you know to the point of Hubway being around for a really long time. Maybe did it turn to blue bikes in 2015? Is that why the data starts there? That sounds about right. That might be why. Because um, I was trying to figure that out, but if, you know, God forbid I do additional research beyond these numbers. Uh, this is a one woman show, all right, everyone? <laughs> Can you hear you out I did there? No work. <laughs> He, he just rode over here in the cold and sat patiently while I let him freeze while everything charged. Um, yeah, so in 2020, the numbers were still way above uh, 2015 and years previous, but it did decrease, and I think that had a lot to do with commuting. However, looking into 2021, people started going back to work. People started to get vaccinated. Um, those numbers shifted and, uh, do you think June, 2021 was more or less than June, 2019? I would say more. How much more do you think? You want to toss out a number? Remember June, 2019 was 270,000. Let's call it three, 300,000. That's a really close guess. It was 311. Oh. 311. Oh, sorry. Let me bump that up to 312,000 since it's 311,969. <laughs> so close. 312,000 people. I mean, that's that's a lot. The population of Boston, if you subtract some of our college students, is at its core. Just Boston, not the greater area, is like five, 600,000. And yes, this is rides per month, but that's, I don't know, that just seems so high to me. Yeah. And then, so going back to our discussion about whether or not people bike in winter, um, and this is kind of my, my, uh, I want to say coup de gras, is that the phrase that people use? Um, 
the fact that I think is most fascinating from everything in here is what that number was in December 2021. So I, I'll, I'll let you know, yes, it did follow a pattern of being a little lower than June. Let's be real, people. It is still winter. We're not, you know, we know. But what do you think that number was? Let's just say like 100,000. A little higher. A little higher? Yeah. 150,000? Uh, a little too much. But <laughs> 143,000. That's crazy. It broke the 6,000 or the, sorry, the six figure mark um, was almost double December. I shouldn't say almost double. It was like 50% of December 2019. That's a huge increase. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been insanely cold for December this past year, but it was it was pretty cold. Yeah, we didn't get much snow, so things were dry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. People are using it. Yeah. Um. So the final thing, just to wrap this up. So I just I thought that was fascinating. December 2021, we had 143,000 people riding blue bikes, starting from the data in January 2015 of only. 7,000. So that's a huge increase. And that is the game. Brian, you won. You won just by being out here in the cold. I don't know that I got a single question right. (laughs) I did not make it easy for you either. Everyone, I had days to prepare this. I was like, yeah, I looked up the data. I have everything figured out. And then I looked at it. was like, oh, crap. I don't have these in the form of a question at all. I just have the information. Um, But you won. Oh, there's a bus going by. You won. You're a rock star. Thanks for coming out having a ride with me. Thanks for sitting in the cold and doing this. And uh, I'm sure we'll have more bike rides in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap on episode six, folks. If you'd like to hear even more about winter riding and you identify as woman, femme, trans, or non-binary, then you should look for an upcoming announcement about a winter biking chat with Femme Mechanics. And that is going to be the evening of Wednesday, January 26th. This is kind of your save the date until we get the uh, official um, Google Doc up there, or excuse me, Google form up there for you to sign up. But I am going to be leading one of the discussions uh, with some awesome bike community champions. I'm really excited about that. If you're looking for a space to learn more about winter riding and not feel intimidated, this is the place for you. Uh, I'm also hoping to do more winter biking workshops this year. So look out for more in the future, hopefully soon. Thank you to Greg Hum, Brian McKenzie, and Liz Rack for chatting with me for this episode. The theme and music is by the extremely talented Kate Hardley. Don't forget her album, West, is now available. I re-listened yesterday. It's still incredible at katehardley.bandcamp.com. The podcast is host, produced, recorded, and edited by me, Laura Jillian, with an honorable mention to Watson the Bike Dog for his contributions throughout the show. For more information about the show and biking, you can visit my website, randonista.com, and follow my adventures in biking and more behind the scenes of the pod at randonista on Instagram. Randonista on YouTube and Watson's Biking Adventures at Watson the Bike Dog on Instagram. And if you like the show, please rate and review on your podcast app. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. All right. And now, your Watson moment. Do his paws freeze when they blow in the wind? Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. he, 
he has like this insulated insert that goes inside the bag. And when I pull him out, his body seems really warm, but I worry because sometimes I do feel him shivering. I don't know if his paws get too cold because it's the one thing that's actually exposed, but I had like a uh, you know, we wear neck gaiters. He had like a little muff thing that went over his yes. ears. Cause I, I don't worry about his paws as much as I worry about his ears. His ears are what are in the wind. So I think that helps. He's super cute. He looked like a little Fox. He had a little, oh, you can adorable. see it on the Instagram. Can't wait to go for a bike ride with Watson. <laughs> he is ready. He doesn't get to ride enough. I had a whole chat with someone on Instagram today about how, <laughs> Uh, we should put our dogs in their bike carriers and put them on our backs while we ride on our trainers. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to have to happen. I mean, he just lies down next to me and goes to sleep. So it, it, I don't think he needs to, but it would be really funny. <laughs> Here's what you do. You get a little doggy fan. You blow it right in his face. That was Arctic the other air. suggestion. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So I, I might have to do a video of Watson on my back on the bike. It'd be really funny. 